Welcome back to the Faith at Work podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. In case this is your first experience with Faith at Work, my messages address spiritual, religious, and scriptural issues with practical value for your life at work or at home. I invite you to join me in exploring the questions which defy easy answers. What's the purpose of my life? Why is there so much suffering in the world? How can I become the best version of myself? We'll often be turning to scripture, other sources of religious wisdom, and the events of everyday life to help us in our spiritual quest. I try to relate without prejudice to people of all religious traditions and to those who claim no religious allegiance at all. Today I'm dealing with one of the most important biblical teachings, the Ten Commandments. Although these laws come directly from the Old Testament, the wisdom they contain has proven to be of universal value. So sit back, relax, and see what insight you may gain from these ancient words of wisdom. Many years ago, in a prior life, I got a job teaching British literature. In order to prepare for teaching the upcoming year, I decided to spend my summer reading the entire works of William Shakespeare. Tragedies, comedies, history plays, sonnets, whole bit. So every morning I would sit down with my 10-pound volume of Shakespeare's complete works and read for hours on end. It's a big task. I didn't realize how big a psychic toll it was taking on me until one morning as my wife Sandy was leaving for work, I said, I loveth thee. She looked at me like I was crazy. I think I almost was. And that's why, years later, I was excited to discover a more digestible way to approach Shakespeare. We went to a stage play in London titled The Entire Works of William Shakespeare in 90 Minutes, produced by a group called the Reduced Shakespeare Company. With that play as an inspiration, I wrote a sermon titled The Entire Bible in 15 Minutes. And I accomplished that. But why stop there? I've decided to go one step further. I've titled today's podcast, The Complete Ten Commandments in Ten Minutes, or About Ten Minutes. Now, before you click your stopwatch, let me say a few words of introduction. I grew up Lutheran and served as a Lutheran pastor. And although Lutherans put a lot of stock in living by unearned grace, the unearned grace of God, we are still subject to God's laws. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We are all subject to laws. We live according to the laws set forth in our society by civil authorities and enforced by the police. But unless we're sociopaths, we also live by a higher moral law, which most of the time we follow unconsciously. It's written on our hearts. The Ten Commandments come closest to a set of universal laws that was ever formulated. So let me run through the Ten Commandments according to Martin Luther's numbering system and interpret it in a way that makes them relevant for our daily lives. 
Now click your stopwatches and remember I said about 10 minutes. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's a good place to start. I remember watching Cecil B. DeMille's classic movie, The Ten Commandments. Can you believe they actually took us on a field trip in public school to go see the most religious movie of the day? I can still see Moses coming down the mountain to find those naughty Israelites dancing and cavorting around the golden calf that they'd made by melting down their jewelry. I kind of always assumed that the other gods referred to statues or gods of different religions like Baal, Buddha, or Allah. The other gods that you and I are likely to bow down to, though, are more subtle, but just as real. They're all of the distractions in life, like material stuff or money or power or popularity that we put before God. Maybe it wasn't the golden calf, but the jewelry itself that was the other God. When we put God first, it's our first step away from our self-centeredness and the beginning of a holy life. The second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Listen to the lyrics of most popular songs or watch almost any movie, and you're going to hear all manner of swearing and cursing. A lot of people in my generation have abandoned going to the movies because they're so offended. Well, I'm not so easily offended. I take the advice of my 7th grade social studies teacher, Mrs. Jorgensen. She said, when you hear a bad word, just throw it over your shoulder. But our words have power, and our words can hurt, and they can offend. So whether we actually use God's name in a curse or revert to obscene or crude language based on bodily functions, we should always use our words to uplift and enlighten rather than to base, debase and injure. And when others use bad language, well, just throw it over your shoulder. The third commandment, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now don't get too smug in case you happen to go to church last Sunday or because you're taking the time to listen to me. There's more to remembering the Sabbath than parking it in a pew for an hour or timing my podcast. Think about what the Sabbath represents. God worked for six days in creation and then sat back and took a day off to admire and think about what he'd made. It's the same thing for us. The Sabbath is not just about going to church and then going home and watching football for the rest of the day. Since we live most of our lives on autopilot, we are commanded... Yes, these aren't the ten suggestions. We're commanded to reflect on our lives so that we can properly give thanks and order our lives accordingly. The fourth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God hath given thee. One of the most common laments that I hear people utter today is that young people lack respect. They lack respect for their parents, for their teachers, their pastors, and even law enforcement. When us old folks say that about young people, it would probably do us some good to take a look in the mirror. Martin Luther, in his explanation of this commandment, extended honoring or respecting to the proper authorities on earth that God has ordained to provide order to what otherwise would be a savage existence on earth. That includes the government law enforcement, the church, and other sources of legitimate authority. 
Now, that doesn't mean that we automatically bow down to corrupt authority. Even our founding fathers recognized that there was a time to rebel. But that we take the time to discern proper authority and then respect and conform ourselves to it. The fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Life is sacred. I could argue that that's the most foundational principle of all God's laws. We're commanded not to take the life of another human being. The church has long argued about whether there are exceptions to this commandment, such as in times of war or in the application of capital punishment. Now, I can't address that in my one minute that I've devoted to this commandment. But just let me point out that Jesus was a total pacifist and forgiving of all manner of human offense. More importantly, there's a positive side to this commandment. Not only should we not take life, we should help and defend our neighbors, who in God's eyes, by the way, includes just about everybody, so that their lives may flourish. We should help our neighbors when they're in need. Using constitutional language, we should help our neighbors in the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. I taught confirmation for almost 30 years, and one of the things that I learned is not to ask a class of 7th and 8th graders what their favorite commandment is. It's always this one. I think it's because adolescents get a perverse joy watching their adult leaders squirm trying to avoid talking about sex. Not to worry. I can just refer once again to what Martin Luther said. In his explanation to the sixth commandment, he says we should fear and love God so that we lead a chaste and decent life, in word and deed, and that husbands and wives each love and honor the other. Now, is there anyone among us who does not know what a chaste and decent life is? And I think we can also easily imagine what it means for husbands and wives to love and honor each other. My only quarrel with Luther is that I would extend this commandment from husbands and wives to all of our relationships. Listen to the abuse claims on the news every night, and you will quickly see how neglected this commandment is. I think we should rejoice that our kids want to talk about it. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. Don't take other people's stuff. That's another pretty obvious rule of behavior. It's one of the first things we teach our kids. But it's more than just about stuff. We had our house broken into one time, and all they got was my spare change jar and my diamond Rolex. But before you wonder what I'm doing with a diamond Rolex, unfortunately for the thieves, my wives had bought my diamond Rolex in China for 35 bucks. I would have loved to have been in the pawn shop to see that burglar's reaction when he tried to sell that watch. What was worse than our loss was our sense of violation. Theft is about disregarding other people's boundaries. And theft occurs in a lot of ways. Petty burglars are insignificant in comparison to those who rip off people through illegal or predatory business practices. And stealing could be applied to claiming credit for other people's ideas and work. The positive statement of thou shalt not steal is, thou shalt be honest. The eighth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In my years as a pastor, I made it a practice not to preach or teach partisan politics. Having a role as a public person, I don't even post political signs in my yard. Now, some people interpret that as wishy-washy, but so be it. 
So when I say that politicians should be sworn each day to adhere to the Eighth Commandment, I'm being inclusive of all. Bearing false witness against your neighbor, once again your neighbor is anyone who draws a breath, includes slandering, libeling, degrading, or simply speaking ill of somebody else. Unfortunately, that's become the stock and trade of modern politics. But none of us are off the hook. If we honestly examine our own words and behaviors, we're likely to find lots of times when we seek to tear somebody else down by repeating rumors, exaggerations, or wild speculation about another person's life. I think we all possess a gossip gene. Bearing false witness is just one more way that we hurt other people. Again, turning to Martin Luther's explanation of the commandment, we should fear and love God so that we do not lie about, betray or slander our neighbor, but excuse him, speak well of him, and put the best construction on everything he does. In other words, always give your neighbor the benefit of the doubt. The ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Now the last two commandments are prohibitions against coveting. To covet something is to have intense or unhealthy desire for something that belongs to somebody else. Coveting is closely related to envying. Now if I had my druthers, I'd combine nine and ten into one. But I didn't inscribe the uh, stone tablets for Moses, and I'm not Martin Luther who interpreted them. First of all, the ninth commandment is not as narrow as it seems. Instead of not lusting after somebody else's house, we can expand it to say, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's stuff or real property. I shouldn't drool over my neighbor's metallic blue Porsche 911. The coveting commandments are more sins against ourselves than against our neighbors. My neighbor might not even know the way I feel about that Porsche, or he might even get some satisfaction knowing that I envy him. In the end, however, my envy causes dissatisfaction that harms me, not him. The Tenth Commandment, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his cattle, nor anything else that is thy neighbor's. Now, in the Roman Catholic numbering of the Ten Commandments, nine and ten are about coveting my neighbor's wife and stuff. And since we've already dealt with our neighbor's stuff in nine, and since we no longer have manservants and maidservants, I assign the Tenth Commandment to coveting my neighbor's relationships. Now, here, you can put the cattle in nine or ten, depending on pet, whether or not you consider your cow your property or your beloved pet. Coveting my neighbor's spouse or family or friends causes harm to me again, not my neighbor. If we acted upon either commandments nine or ten, we would run afoul of number seven, thou shalt not steal. Coveting other people's spouses or relationships harms my own relationships. It's much healthier to work on my own relationships rather than envying somebody else's. But finally, Luther sums up this final commandment with a catch-all. He says that we should not covet anything else that belongs to anybody else. Well, there you have it. The complete Ten Commandments in about ten minutes. I consider that quite an accomplishment. But Jesus had me beat. He was once asked, which is the greatest of the commandments? And he answered, You shall love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself.
On these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets. He stated not only the Ten Commandments, but all 613 commandments of the Old Testament law in 15 seconds. Love your God and love your neighbor. That's pretty simple. It's one commandment for which we can take Moses' advice about all commandments. Moses said, Do whatever it takes to remember them. Tie a reminder on your hand and bind a reminder on your forehead where you'll see it all the time, such as on the doorposts where you cross the threshold or on the city gate. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Please check in frequently. The music was arranged and recorded by Sherry Dorquay, piano, and Rick Trudell, guitar. May God bless you and give you strength and faith to continue to live happily within God's law.